This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, July 9th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Mountain Village launches Yes! program, Food and Chaos with Nicole Walker, Telluride's Karate Kids and Adults, and a Mountain Weather Forecast. Mountain Village officially launched its Your Equity Support, or YES, deed-restricted program this week. Through the YES program, the town of Mountain Village will pay homeowners a portion of their property value in exchange for placing a deed restriction on the property. According to Mountain Village Mayor Leila Benitez, the aim of the program is to help address, quote, the ongoing regional housing shortfall and its profound impacts on local businesses and residents of the community. Mountain Village identifies a four-step process for joining the program. First, the town recommends identifying if the individuals living in the home qualify for deed restriction. That's anyone who is primarily employed in the Telluride R1 school district. A business in the district that rents to employees within the district are also eligible. Steps two, three, and four are applying for the program, qualifying based on committee selection, and executing the contracts to place the property under deed restriction. The YES program is one part of Mountain Village's new community housing initiative. The town is also working on a village court apartment expansion, allowing more lock-off unit development and hiring a housing director. Applications to join the YES program are available at townofmountainvillage.com. How does food, sense of self, and crisis fit together? That's what author Nicole Walker is working through in her new book, Processed Meats, Essays on Food, Flesh, and Navigating Disaster. Walker will be in Telluride next week as part of the Authors Uncovered series, a collaboration between the Wilkinson Public Library and Between the Covers Bookstore. KOTO News spoke with Walker about finding humor in disaster and accepting chaos through cooking. Have a listen. Hey, Nicole, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. Hi, Julia. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I think anyone who reads this book will be impressed with how you write about food in a way that is beautiful, but also frank sometimes. Where did your connection with food come from, and how do you think about writing about it? I love that question because, you know, I do use food, I think, as a variety of of ways of coping with life. Like I think it's one of the ways where I can take an hour or two of the day and feel like I'm in control. And I'm thinking about the ways that I can actually, you know, be mindful and take some time to organize and care for other people, right? Because I'm usually cooking for other people. So I usually usually use cooking as a mollifier for the anxieties that that happen throughout, throughout the day and through life. And this book really tries to bring together that idea of, yes, you can feel like you have control while you're cooking. But of course, the underlying message is you never have full control. There's nothing, there's no way that um, you can, as a human, really order your life in the way that you think that you want to. And that's why for the best, right? I feel like humans probably have a sense of, of thinking they know what they want and thinking they know how to do what is is the right thing to do better than they sometimes do. And there's something about chaos interrupting um, uh, the those sort of um, goals or those those ideas that humans have about how to get through their lives 
cooking as a mollifier and as one of the ways to control it also is a good example how things go wrong and they can, things fall apart there as, as they do in, in regular life. Your writing style seems to make you laugh and then punches you in the gut. There's a balance of humorous writing mixed with anger and moving through a crisis. How do you find that balance of sharing these big emotions, sometimes within the same sentence of each other? I think that is, sometimes it's been referred to as an irreverent voice. Um, and sometimes I think it is something that, you know, is, is, can be strange for a reader, right? To be like, wait, I thought we were really sad a second ago. Um, now, we're, now, now we're sort of making jokes or, you know, not quite making jokes, but as you said, gut punching or, or uh, it making you stop and, and think about things in a totally different mood than you thought that the, that the essay had been going in. And, and, you know, I think part of that is just my nature. That's who I am. That's how I, as, that's how I view the world. That's how I am as a, you know, as a, in a conversation is, you know, serious, serious, but then, you know, we're all going to die anyway. And uh, but hopefully in a funnier way than that. Um, and I think part of that is that the book is really trying to imagine these different different layers of of um, types of control people have and we want and, tr- and recognize that we probably have to give up uh, the grasp of, of, of that control. And I also want to to talk about you know, big ideas like, you know, what to do about climate change and what to do about um, what to do about, about people who are in really dire situations and how to help them. But I also feel like one of the one of the um, one of the resistances I have to um, some nature writing and some climate science writing is that it does it can be so reverent and so earnest that it it, it feels you know, the somber tone makes it hard to stay with the book or stay with the book for a long time because the mood can be so dark. And I mean, I think even as we suffer through through the the, the crises of our lives and the disasters and we navigate them, that we, that's also what we call life, you know, and we're not going to even enjoy the parts of that, those, those disasters that are funny and are a little bit strange and are mind bending. Then, you know, you're not really experiencing it. You're not experiencing the full range of emotions. And so I try to push that boundary on either side, you know, to take things super seriously, but also let go a little bit. And I think that too mirrors the way that there's, you know, some sense of like, yes, you can try to have some control with your the way that you you poach your eggs. Also, let it go when most of the you know eggs fall apart in the boiling water. I don't think there's exactly a call to action at the end of this book, but do you hope there's something that readers take away from it? It's such a tricky question because you know, I don't want to. I when I when people preach toward me about you know what I should do about climate change or what I should do about you know better organizing my <laughs> my systems for you know keep maintaining some sort of um, some sort of control over the chaos, I resist it. Right, that's like my primary mode is to for you to tell me what to do. What I guess I want people to do is when we talk about that um, that wide range of emotions to to sort of sit with the the difficulties of these of these troubles of these disasters of the pandemic of climate change maybe that provides some time to think about what can we do differently and how can we think differently and I feel like to, to overcome climate change we're going to have to think about things radically differently and to think about radically different uh, to think radically differently 
you probably do have to, you know, cruise through your sentences in a variety of, of emotions. Nicole, we're excited to have you in town next week. Thanks for taking a few minutes to chat with me today. Oh, Julia, it was so great to chat with you, and I look forward to seeing you on Tuesday. That was author Nicole Walker. She will be in Telluride next week as part of the Authors Uncovered series. Her talk will take place at the Wilkinson Public Library on Tuesday, July 13th at 5.30 p.m. Walking into the USA World Championships for karate is intense, if you ask Eric Nepsky. There's a huge culture of uh, respect, honor, but it's high intensity, this competition. And so there's this balance between honor and being ready to explode. That the black belts, if they're not happy with what's happening with the judges, etc., it's like all sports, except every person who has a complaint is also a lethal weapon. So there's a certain intensity involved when you walk into a giant uh, tournament like this where there were 11 rings happening all at the same time. So you have people screaming, full contact, martial arts, people with weapons, and you're trying to focus, concentrate on what you're doing in front of judges. Nepsky is the head instructor and owner of the Telluride Karate Studio, and last month he, along with three other Telluridians, headed to Las Vegas to compete. Athletes travel from all over the world, so the world championships are just that, people from all over the world competing And nowadays in martial arts, that there's such a huge interest that there's absolutely every kind of style. So as a spectator, you get to see every kind of martial art there is and see people competing in those arts. So it's really fascinating. Nepsky teaches and practices Kenpo Karate. Our Kenpo Karate goes back to ancient India, 1500 B.C., and uh, it's traveled from India to China to Japan, now the rest of the world. So Kempo Karate is one of the original yogas built on self-defense, and it's also kinetic meditation. Telluride's team at the championships this year included Nepsky, along with Danica, Colton, and Annette Pettit. And as a spoiler, the team did well. We brought home uh, three world titles at the black belt level, uh, second place in weapons, second place uh, in two brown belt forms divisions. It was really great. Danica won the Black Belt World title for women, Nepsky the same for men. Colton was part of the Black Belt self-defense team, which won a world title. Annette won a world title as a brown belt. Unsurprisingly, it's no small feat. There are probably over a thousand movements that have to be done in a perfect sequence, perfect direction, with total concentration. So uh, it, it becomes one of the most challenging arts in the world. So if you can imagine just memorizing the alphabet, it's a good challenge when you're a kid. You have to memorize a thousand things. You end up building a really strong mind. So it's kind of a cliche, mind, body, spirit, but that's really what we teach. Of course, the time, effort, training that goes into karate makes a win feel good. But Nepsky says that meditative quality is equally important. You start to feel, understand that you have way more potential than you ever believed you had, combined with a transformation of consciousness. So it's this whole interaction, how your mind works and how you bring out all of your human potential. You become more you. But he notes when you get to the world championships, that ethos slips away. At the competitive level, professional level, 
is like, no one cares about meditation. They want to punch you in the face. Luckily, the Telluride Karate Studio comes prepared, ready for the block, waxing on and waxing off, until a new round of classes begins this fall. Get your cowboy boots on, your paddles ready, and your pies in the oven. The San Miguel Basin Fair and Rodeo is kicking off this weekend. There's pretty much something for everyone, and that's one of the things that makes it so fun. Um, as we celebrate our you know, agricultural heritage, and, and particularly for, for me, the thrill is all the just celebrating all the hard work that the, the 4-H kids put into um, their efforts from, from livestock to crafts to all the things that they get to to explore. That's San Miguel County Commissioner Chris Holstrom. The events spanning over three weeks includes dessert tastings, a 4-H show, craft and art show, junior livestock auction, family dance, mutton busting, and a rodeo. The hard work, tricks, and skills will be on display throughout the weeks, but for Holstrom, she says it's the community element she loves the most. To me, it's just, uh, it, it warms the heart and uh, that's part of what brings us together as a county that has um, a lot of diversity in it. And so that's one of the most fun parts of, of this part of the summer. The San Miguel Basin Fair will begin this Saturday, July 10th, and run through Saturday, July 17th. The rodeo will take place July 30th and 31st. The events will take place at the San Miguel County Fairgrounds, with some events at the Norwood School. San Miguel County is ranked as the sixth healthiest community out of nearly 3,000 counties across the United States. That's according to the U.S. News and World Report, in collaboration with the Aetna Foundation. The report looks at how counties perform in 84 metrics across 10 health and health-related categories, including population health, equity, education, economy, housing, food and nutrition, environment, public safety, community vitality, and infrastructure. Communities are given a 0 to 100 score in each category. San Miguel County scored over 60 in 9 of the 10 categories, scoring over 80 in more than half. But there's one category where San Miguel did not fare so well. Housing. With a score of 31, San Miguel sits at 483rd, according to the study. The housing category looks at housing affordability, capacity, and quality. Beating out San Miguel County for top spots are Los Alamos County in New Mexico as number one, followed by Douglas County, Colorado, Falls Church City and Loudoun County in Virginia, and Broomfield County, Colorado. San Miguel County skies will soon be a little darker. This week, the Board of County Commissioners approved land use code changes, making lighting on properties in parts of the county dark sky friendly. Changes include mandating that lighting be fully shielded and directed downward, and requiring lights to be less than 2,700 degrees Kelvin. Activity-triggered lighting is also encouraged, so it can turn off on its own. The new standards apply to exterior lighting on development in unincorporated parts of the county. Any lighting already installed does not have to meet the new requirements, but when it is replaced, it does. There are exemptions for the new requirements, including holiday lighting and any lighting required by federal or state regulations. 
The land use code changes comes after the Norwood Dark Sky Advocates and the West End Dark Sky Alliance submitted a request to the County Planning Commission to amend the current lighting regulations. The Grand Mesa in Compagre and Gunnison National Forests will be hosting two public field trips in the coming days. For the Spruce Beetle Epidemic and Aspen Decline Management Response Project and the Taylor Park Vegetation Management Project. The field trips will give participants the opportunity to engage with GMUG staff, management groups, and science teams to discuss project timelines, temporary roads, area treatments, and resource concerns. The Spruce Beetle Project field trip will focus on potential fuel treatment near the Boomerang Bridge in Telluride. The Taylor Park field trip will take place on July 20th, leaving the Gunnison Ranger District at 8 a.m., returning at 4 p.m. For more information, email taylorparkamg at western.edu. The Spruce Beetle field trip will take place on July 22nd, leaving Montrose Public Lands Office at 8 a.m., returning at 4 p.m. For more information, contact Nicole Hutt at nicole.hutt at usda.gov. Participants are asked to bring a sack lunch, water, and necessities to spend a day outside. The Colorado Department of Transportation has unveiled which projects it wants to build this year with a $170 million stimulus package recently approved by state lawmakers. KOTO's Scott Franz has more. The Eisenhower Tunnel tops the list. CDOT engineer Paul Jesidis says a $50 million project will help stop water from leaking into the tunnel from the mountains. If you go in the high voltage room, you can see where the puddle of water surrounded our electrical systems in the tunnel. So, so it's dangerous. We need to get going. The state also wants to buy new buses and extend its regional bus staying service to Pueblo and Greeley. A state board will review the proposal next week. Senate Bill 260 is expected to generate more than $5 billion in road work over the next decade, mostly through new fees. I'm Scott Franz in Denver. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low in the mid-50s. Saturday should be sunny during the day and mostly clear at night with a high in the mid-80s and a low around 50 degrees. Sunday, expect sunny skies with a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms. The high is around 80 degrees and winds could gust as high as 20 miles per hour. Sunday night calls for clear skies with a low around 50. This has been the news for Friday, July 9th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Hey Coda listeners, Tri-County Health Network wants to help you be the healthiest you can be. We're dedicated to improving the health of our community in an equitable way, and we need your help to do that. Please fill out our survey and tell us what we can do for you. Looking for better access to healthy food, or help with your insurance, or need to ride to your doctor's appointment? We've got that covered. The survey is anonymous and can be completed online at tchnetwork.org backslash health-survey in both English and Spanish. You'll even get a $5 gift card when you complete it. TCH Network staff will also be available at local farmers markets and other community events with tablets in hand to collect surveys from residents who may not have easy access to computers or Wi-Fi. We're looking forward to hearing about how we can make our community stronger together. 
Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You're also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Cutout. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.